This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. from Evander Kane's agent a couple of hours ago on Twitter. Still interviewing with teams. No contract in hand. Salary not yet agreed. Many details to be worked out. No travel plans over 48 hours. That's Dan Milstein. The Twitter handle is an easy one to remember if you want to follow him. At Hockey Agent 1. That is the number one. So there we have it. That put out by Dan Milstein after some reports that Evander Kane was perhaps on the verge of signing with the Edmonton Oilers or uh, the Oilers are on his short list of teams that he is going to join for the rest of the season. So that's what we can tell you at the moment. And of course, this in the wake of Ken Holland, the general manager of the Oilers, speaking to the media earlier today in which he confirmed he has talked to the to uh, to Milstein and that uh, yeah sometimes you got to give players second chances as we welcome Craig McTavish to the show courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years home of the lifetime warranty well Craig so much for a couple of off days for the Edmonton Oilers as they did not practice yesterday or today never a dull moment baby Wow, what a what a what a time to be in the NHL and playing hockey and playing sports! But it must be just crazy for the coaches to organize all that and uh, you know try and uh, put some semblance of a team and a system together for the next game, whenever that might be. Yeah, well, we hope Saturday, and we'll talk we about that. Uh, we yeah. hope Saturday. We'll we'll talk about what what this must be like for the coaches. But I mean, the the story of the hour, obviously. Uh, is Evander Kane, if he doesn't go to Edmonton, he's got to go somewhere. You know, you know, how do you look at this? What needs to be weighed and considered uh, before you can add this player with his baggage to your roster? Well, I think uh, it sounds like there's no shortage of opportunity for him, which is, I don't know whether that's surprising, but uh, I think on a short-term show-me deal, I, th- I think, you know, that that's intriguing to teams. I think the thing that would I'd, I'd be cautious about would be bringing him in, much like the Sharks did when he went there on a pretty short-term deal, and he played very well, and it uh, morphed into a very long-term deal that didn't end up being a great, great signing. But I think... You know, I, I, I'm with uh, Kenny Holland and Glenn Sather, and uh, people deserve second chances. They generally all grow up uh, over time. I think that, uh, you know, are there some caution flags with this player? For sure. But you know that 
you know, with the leadership group and the caliber of players the Oilers have, they're going to be able to control him and he's going to be highly motivated. And, you know, those are good things for performance level for the individual and, and uh, by extension, collective performance level for the team that signs them. Well, you know, I just had a caller, Darren, before the news who said that, yes, you would hope that the Oilers would have some leaders who would, who would say something to Evander when he's signed. And, and you'd hope that if, you know, if he comes to the Oilers and, and obviously you hope Evander Kane, regardless of where he goes, kind of realizes like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I better keep it together. And and I wonder if it's important for that message to, to come from his, his coworkers, so to speak, like his fellow players. I mean, your, your coach and your GM, they're the bosses. They're like, especially the coach. He's all, all he's always telling you what to do. You know, he's always in your ear, but, but I wonder if, yeah. if the position Kane is in, like it really would resonate more coming from guys who are there in the dressing room with him. Yeah. And, and I think that message from the players, like most of what you said is, you know, obvious that, and painfully obvious to Evander that that's exactly what he has to do. So I'm, I'm certain he's fully aware the type of conduct level that he has to have when he, when he gets to whatever team he goes to. I think the player's uh, message to Evander would be to embrace him coming in, saying this is a fresh start, you know, I know there were issues in the past. I'm not sure completely what they all were, but this is an opportunity for you to have a fresh start. We welcome you here and you'll be judged from this point forward uh, based on how you interact with your teammates, your effort level in practice and in the games and, and your contribution level to the overall performance level of the team. Yeah, obviously, I think the number one story yeah. that's uh, here is going to be followed over the next uh, next few days, and who knows, something could happen during this show, though I'm not sure we're going to quite get to that point. Ken Holland spoke today. Uh, you know, you've been obviously at that podium uh, as the general manager, uh, taking questions, uh, talking about whatever was going on with the team at the time. Uh, you know, Ken said today that he thinks the solutions are are in the dressing room. He said there's not much of a trade market. You know, he said he believes in the coach. He believes in the players. He also said, I believe in our determination, which I thought was interesting. You know, I, I'll put it to you this way. What's more important for Ken Holland today, the message he delivers to the fans or the message that he delivers to the players? Because certainly at least some guys are going to be aware of what he said today. Oh, for sure. I, uh, all the players would be keenly uh, interested in, in those comments. And, you know, I listened to his press conference today and, uh, you know, it, it's the voice of experience. And, you know, what what is leadership really? Leadership is the person that can apply the best perspective uh, to a situation, uh, a, a difficult situation. And to me, everything that came out of Kenny's mouth today made, made a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, when you're bringing Kenny Holland in to manage the Edmonton Oilers, you're bringing in somebody that has a wealth of experience. And uh, I, I think he accomplished a, a lot today uh, in terms of 
because I agree with them. When, when I watched the team play, I thought they played fantastic against Toronto. I really, with that lineup, uh, Connor out of the game, I was really uh, impressed by how they stepped up and the effort that they had. And to me, that speaks to the coach still having the voice in that room and is still able to motivate these guys. And uh, there is a belief level in the team in the way that they played. Now, they, they haven't had the success. They've got to find ways to win. But, you know, you, you can't you can't really uh, criticize the effort at all. And I thought there were a lot of guys that really stepped up in the Toronto game. Bouchard, to me, played... I mean, he started to assert himself on the game, and he was doing things that he doesn't normally do. Uh, you know, accelerating into open ice with the puck, carrying the puck more. And things open up when that happens. And I really thought, you know, there were a lot of efforts like that from the group. And, uh, you know, they certainly haven't given up on the coach. The coach is, is he's an excellent coach. And, again, to have... It, we're we're in uh, a what have you done for me lately world of professional sports, which you know I, I mean I totally disagree with, but uh, you know Kenny supported his coach and supported uh, the personnel, and uh, you know I, I think that level of loyalty goes a long way, and it's an easy you know. Uh, quick trigger finger to, to do something irrational and try and satisfy, uh, you know, a, a section of the fan base. And uh, I thought Kenny handled that terrifically today. And, you know, I mean, used all his years of experience for sure today in that press conference. You know, one area... That, that's been under fire. And I think we've been talking about over this 13-game stretch, unfortunately, a lot of things have kind of dropped off at the, at the same time. But, but, but look, the, the goaltending's under fire. Uh, you know, I did a, a show last week, heavy on the goaltending, save percentages down to 29th. And, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to trade? Are they going to play Smith a lot? Or are they going to trade Skinner a lot? And look, Craig, I, like, I hate to do this to you, but it's difficult to ask you this question without the context of Dwayne Rollison in 2006. And I know maybe you're tired of going yeah. there, but I'm just wondering how you assess the, the goal. You know, does it, does ultimately, it, does this so much of it just come down to that? The, the, that the goalie making the saves cleans up everything else. Well, firstly, I, I always believed when we played on good teams that good teams beat good goaltenders and good teams survive mediocre goaltending. And, you know, we had that ability in the 80s, certainly, that if the goalie was standing on our head, we'd just continue to put the pressure on, and eventually a good team would beat a hot goaltender. Um, so, but we're in an era now of great parity, and it, it's, it's hard to do. And that position is so important, as you know, and everybody that watches any hockey knows, that if, if you get outplayed in that position, it's, it's really hard to win. And I, I, I look at the Leaf game back here uh, at home where I thought the Oilers played really good. But, and, and Koskinen played good that game too. But 
Jack Campbell was just better. And, uh, you know, goaltending so critical. I formulated, like, because bad goaltending and mediocre goaltending and average goaltending is subtle. It's, it's uh, you find yourself as a coach sitting in there at the end of the game questioning, could he have got it? Like, sh- should he have had that? You know, it's a cross-crease play, and you have the goaltender coach there that generally is pretty supportive of the goaltender. And, you know, you get into these uh, abstract conversations about the level of goaltending. And what I ultimately figured out is if you ask the question you know the answer because good goaltending is painfully obvious when your goaltender plays well you're not saying you know should he have had that good good goaltending is obvious and if you have if you ask the question was the goaltending good enough then I think you know the way I generally looked at that was that was the answer well, uh, you know, I'm going to reference something uh, Rob Brown said on. I can't remember which preseason it was. Ben Scrivens might have been one of the goalies. I can't remember who else was there. But, you, you know, Scrivens and somebody else had split the game. And, you know, one guy let in fewer goals than the other. And I kind of said, like, but, yeah, but that one shot went in right under the crossbar. And Rob said, well, yeah, but how do you know how many other shots might have gone in right under the crossbar? But the goalie stopped them, right? So, so you never yeah, know. It, so it, I it, I mean, good goaltending is is really obvious and your point on Rowley is I mean we didn't know he was going to play as good as he did he hadn't played at that level in Minnesota that year he'd had a history of having a high level game and I mean it just he got his game to a level that I mean it he was the best player in all those playoff series and uh, you know it's just and it's not a shot at Miko like Miko's played to uh, his potential, I think. And uh, he's had really good stretches. I mean, the puck handling has been a problem for sure. Uh, we all know that. He's not a great puck handler. But, you know, he wasn't expected to have all these starts, and he carried the mail for a great period of time. And Kenny talked about that too as well. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't think anybody coming into the season would think that uh, Miko was 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 uh, a first-string goaltender. He, he was going to be an adequate, decent backup goaltender, and he's a fantastic teammate and a great person. So the players certainly rally around him. But, uh, you know, I, I think Miko's played up to his potential, and uh, I know he, he's, he's taken some heat, and that's the position. It's tough. I mean, there's, 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 I mean, that, that's, that's a, a lot of pressure in that position, as you know. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to take a break, Craig, and then I want to dive into what you brought up about how the coaches got to sort of plan practices with all this uh, time between games here. Craig McTavish joining us on Inside Sports, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. 
That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. For over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty, back in a couple of minutes. As we move along tonight, more comments from Ken Holland from his media availability earlier today. Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the NHL, will join us between 7 and 7.30 as I want to ask him about rescheduling games. Uh, when's that going to be announced? How's it going to look there in the former Olympic break in February? So he's coming up in the next half hour. Craig McTavish checking in now. Okay, so Craig, so last week they play in Toronto. They practice Friday and Saturday. Sunday's practice is canceled about three hours beforehand because of the COVID. The game gets pushed back from Monday to Saturday. They don't practice today or yesterday. They're supposed to practice tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, This is Rob Brown's nightmare, by the way. He hated practicing. He just wanted to play games. Um, How how does a coach coach handle this and keep the energy and the excitement uh, going when it's so far between games? What about Ottawa? Did they stay here the whole time? No, they went to Calgary. Uh, they went yesterday, actually. They went to Calgary. So they were they flew oh. here Saturday, practiced okay. here Sunday, Monday, and then flew to Calgary. All right. No, I think, you know, as a coach, you, you always have to adapt uh, to a lot of things. Your, your opponent, uh, injuries, situations. But in this... COVID era, it, it takes adaption to a whole, whole, whole another level that, you know, you got to get to the rank. You can't really pre-plan your practices because you don't know who's going to be available. You can't chart your lines out. You, you, I mean, if you don't have that many players, it's hard to, to uh, practice team tactical stuff. Uh, so, you know, you, you get to the rank, you'll see, how many guys are available, how many guys are practicing, and then you'll start to formulate your practice plan. And uh, whether it's individual skills, some form of conditioning for sure, because it's been a great period of time between games. So there's just, uh, you know, it's just an evolving situation on a day-to-day basis that uh, you have to deal with it. There's no sense fighting it. I think... uh, you know, Dave's done a great job in that regard. And DJ Smith in Ottawa, I've heard him speak about COVID. They had a terrible COVID break, uh, you know, three or four weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he had it framed the right way. And I think that's important for the coach to frame these situations in a way that makes sense to the players and inspires the players to practice well and, you know, ultimately play well. All right, so let, let's flash back because, you know, I, I always – well, I don't joke about Rob Brown because he says it all the time. He hated practicing. Yeah. <laughs> and, he liked, and he liked matinees because there was no boarding skate. <laughs> and then you'd get the night off. Uh, what were you like uh, as, as a player? Did you get sick of practice after a while or how did you approach it? Uh, I mean, we always enjoyed practice. I mean, our practices were – we had – Good teams, obviously, and, and, and that helps when you're winning and keeps the energy high. But our stars love to practice. I mean, Wayne Gretzky, he absolutely loved to practice. And Glenn Sather and John Muckler and Ted Green would run drills that 
you know, were were fun. There were a lot of flow and a lot of passing and a lot of offensive situations. And you know, we used to go to ranks and I mean, the other all the other teams, coaches and managers would be watching our practice and. I mean, the practices, a lot of times with that team, it, with those, that skill level, were more entertaining to watch than the games. But, uh, you know, and we always practiced. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we'd finish in Toronto, you overnight in Toronto somewhere, and you're up at 6 in the morning getting on the bus, and you're getting to the airport, and you're flying, you get into Edmonton around 2 in the afternoon, and we always went to the rink and practiced. Nobody wanted to because you're tired and you're, you know, you've got uh, airplane legs, but you always felt better after the practice. And, uh, you know, you have to have fun fun at practice. And, and that's, that's part of the coach's responsibility too as well, is to, to keep it competitive and keep it fun. All right. Well, Craig, uh, this was great as always. We covered an awful lot yeah. there, and obviously a lot of news, and I suppose potential news about the Edmonton Oilers. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, hope the new year has started well for you, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. No, we're looking forward to uh, the Oilers coming out of the gate the way they started the season, and to Kenny's point, I think that's, uh, that's highly likely. Right on, right on. That is right. Craig McTavish checking in for Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. Love having Craig as a bi-weekly guest here on uh, Inside Sports. Thanks to Avalon Foundation Repair. Quickly on the NHL scoreboard, 5-0 Lightning leading the Sabres, 5-1 Panthers leading the Canucks both after two in the third. Chicago leads Columbus 2-1 after the first. Predators up 2-0 on the avalanche a little more from ken holland and bill daly the deputy commission when we get back 6 30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at 6 on 6 30 chad